denizens of the verse. Today is September 22nd, 2951, and welcome to another episode of ReadCast. We are a Star Citizen podcast sponsored by the Read Organization. I'm your host, Way Too Geeky, and I'm joined by my co-host, the dutifully present Seagard Olsen. Say hello, Seagard. Hello, Seagard. shocker Shocker. (laughs) today is the first day of of fall um at least on on earth on soul (laughs) earth Earth, that is soul is the 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 solar uh it's the sun um i wonder i wonder if there's any other planets that share the same weather patterns in the verse um so uh I feel like we have a lot to cover, so um, we may want to jump in pretty quick. But, Seagard, what have you been up to this past week? This week, um, so far, it's been uh, the past week. I actually played a little bit and uh, had a pretty good time. Um, every time I've gone, it was pretty smooth. Uh, had a little bit of issue the other day, but I've kind of enjoyed it. Even though I know I'm not earning money for any particular reason, it was it was pretty good slow week but a, a fun week in the in the verse yeah uh i played too we we had an org event on sunday yeah i couldn't um, remember if that was this week or not <laughs> seems like a month ago <laughs> you know it's so funny this morning this morning at work my coworker and i First of all, both of us keep speaking in really weird, sassy German accents because it's <laughs> Oktoberfest. Ah, been drunk so there like, before. Ooh, if you have a meeting right now, we have to go. Um, but uh, we were saying how it feels like a Thursday today. But by the end of the day, I was like, oh, no, this feels like Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Um, so I can't tell if this week's going by real slow or real fast. Um, but I thought we could quickly touch upon the org event that we had oh, um yeah, absolutely maybe should we save it for for science yeah either way i'm open to either type of thing uh, let's save it for science since it was for science <laughs> yeah yeah um so this past week on isc oh and first of all folks in case you're wondering oh my goodness there's a second episode um this week we um we kind of got out of sync a little bit with the tech issues from two weeks ago. So because of it, I decided rather than stagger them um, a week and have an extra one every week so that we are, we have that leeway. I thought I'd rather have the content be pertinent as close to it actually happening and decided to throw in um, last week's episode the other day. So that's why, um, that's why you see two. Yeah. Um, that, and that's why it's called not a bonus bonus episode. <laughs> um, so anyway, as I was saying, ISC was the second half of the massive changes coming in 315, and it focused all on inventory. So um, they talked about how healing and physicalized inventory are two parts of the um, death of a spaceman, and it really forces players to choose or lose. Um, and I think that's in a lot of different ways. Um, so, um, you, you can only carry what you can carry now. And, and, um, you know, the only thing about that is that ship and ship parts aren't implemented yet. So, um, but 
they did implement ship inventory. So for those who are concerned about this new inventory management system, this is a placeholder for full, true, physicalized inventory. Um, at the same time, it's it's to uh, um, sort of take the place of or or try and um, why can't I think of the word all of a sudden? Um, mimic the storage that you would have in your lockers and everything that's on the ship. Um, now, going in 315, remember with healing, you're choosing a home location where you'll spawn in the hospital. That home location will also be the main hub for all of your existing inventory. Ships, like I mentioned, will have their own inventory, and you'll have to drag and drop between inventories in order to move them around to the different locations. Um, so a ship has to be in a location that has the thing for you to drag that thing to the ship, and you have to be on the ship for you to drag that thing from your ship to your person. Um, now, in addition to this, uh, corpses, crates boxes they're all um interactable um backpacks are going to be equipable separately now and they'll also be including um the new knickknacks um app for your moby glass which will be an inventory management screen so you can see where everything that you own in the verse is located um so really good stuff exciting and it really plays well into healing you know i think the choose uh, or lose is really focused on if you die, your body will become lootable. Um, so you will lose your items. So you may not want to um, backspace um, in order to have someone recover you uh, and you don't lose your things. So uh, what did you think of this episode, Seagard? I really liked it. Um, it's been keeping my brain engaged, the implications and mm -hmm. how I'm going to how I'm going to use and set myself up for success using this system has occupied a large part of my thought process. Yeah. So I've been burning some brain cells on it. I've got some ideas. I mean, um, I was going to actually, uh, when we get down to the questions, that's kind of a, one of the, the theme of the question. Cool. So. That's great. Uh, I'm hoping the one fear that I have that I think everyone has is with the ship inventory, if you 30K and you have things in your ship inventory, will they be there when you recover the ship? To be honest with you, I don't think they should be. Even if you 30K? Oh, if you 30K, yes. I'm sorry. If you crash, if you die normally, I don't think you should get them back. You should be able to go get them and salvage them. Yeah. Right? I think maybe for the first implementation, though, they might be a little looser, but who yeah. knows? I mean, you might be able to pull things out of a shipwreck when you first wreck it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, here's hoping it works well. Yeah. <laughs> and no, isn't buggy. Right. I mean, yeah. we'll see soon. It looks like it looks like we're going to see Evocati pop up any day now. So, fingers yeah, and toes. Awesome. Um, now, this week's ISC is only going to be. And I say only because I'm excited about it. A giant spurt report. So our, okay. my favorite part of almost any episode, it's going to be a whole episode of that. Um, and we will be getting a new uh, Star Citizen Live, um, which they hadn't 
as of um, when I was looking earlier today, they hadn't announced it. And I actually just ran over to see, well, ran over and scrolling down real quick to see if they updated it. Um, yeah, they haven't yet. Um, but uh, we also um, will be getting, um, I lost my place on my script. <laughs> <laughs> um, we okay, also have a free fly going on right now where you can fly any one of the semifinalists within the ship showdown. Um, we already saw an update to the roadmap, which we'll cover shortly. And on Friday, the citizen con schedule will be published. So we'll get to see all the different sessions that we'll be seeing in less than a month's time. That's exciting. Uh, the ship showdown now is in full effect. Um, what a roller coaster to say the least. So, uh, when we last left off, the saber was fighting for supremacy against the gladius and that outcome held with the saber getting 9,984 votes to the gladius's pithy 6,708 votes. You'll notice pretty low voting numbers for those fighters. Uh, and then last week we moved into round two. Uh, so the first up there was the C2 versus the Reclaimer. The C2 came out on top with 12,685 to the Reclaimer's 6,931. Uh, next was my beloved Carrick versus the MPUV. And I am devastated. The MPUV, the meme with which everyone was so obsessed with you contrarians voted 15,843 for the MPUV 15,629 for the Carrick. So 200 votes separated them sick, sick people. You should examine your lives. Um, (laughs) Then, the 600i uh, went up against the retaliator and won by a few thousand votes. It was 13,306 to 10,938. Uh, next up, the MSR went up against the Saber and trounced it with uh, 14,888 to 6,326. Um, so that put us in the semifinals, which... Um, include the C2, the MPUV, the 600i, and the MSR. The semifinals, the MPUV, once again, bested yet another beloved ship. It beat the C2, 13,399 to 12,894. Um, so not a huge difference, but a bigger difference than my beloved and the C2. The C2 is going to get its revenge, though. Because when it I comes know. time for uh, Citizen Con, all those guys trying to fly their their little uh, MPUVs in are going to be loading onto a C2 to be transported there. So then yep. they can come down to land. Which is when I will subsequently murder them. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no murder in Reed. <laughs> There's Chekhov. Out of the blue comes the great mm. Chekhov. Welcome, Chekhov. Thank you. Hello, everyone. How are you? 
I don't think they're going to respond, but um, at least this time oh, uh, we won't mean? have a. <laughs> I was waiting for my audience. Where is my audience? Ah. Hmm. Actually, um, I, I told the white lie. I said my I'm late because my my daughter called, but it was it was kind of true because my daughter called and woke me up from my nap. Oh. So, <laughs> so really, I would have been still sleeping. <laughs> you take quite a few naps these days. At least it's not on air this time. <laughs> no, because, listen, you know, we work hard, you know. It was a very hard day. Uh, it, it was a choice, either get drunk or take a nap. So I chose the latter. Yeah. Well, um, Chekhov, we were talking, we were just talking about the semifinals with the MPUV beating the C2. Oh, um, yeah. Go, MPV. And now uh, the MSR beat the 600i. So the MSR got 14,148 votes to the 600i's 7,387, which means our finals are the MPUV versus the MSR. Mm. And I'm actually just going to give an up-to-date right as we're in-game update uh, as to where the numbers are. Because they're so close. Oh well, and I thought it was going to be a blowout. Actually, um, the Mercury Star Runner is currently in the lead with twelve thousand six hundred and twenty-five votes to the MPUV's eleven thousand eight hundred and fifteen, with more than fifteen hours to go. So anything, literally mm. anything, could happen. Oh, um, they should probably go vote. Uh, yeah, go MSR. Yeah, I think so. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's silly with, uh, with the other one. I can't believe the MPU. I mean, I can believe it because you should never, um, you should never, uh, doubt the internet's power to do things that are just crazy. But still, I'm just like, I can't, I just, it's just yeah. baffling me. Uh, how do you guys feel about about the competition, Seaguard? Uh, you happy with what's happened? Or? Yeah, I, you know, I'm not overly upset about it. Let's put it this way. And then I was kind of like, well, this is kind of silly, but you know, it is what it is. And a yeah. couple of ships have, you know, no, no offense, but the character's been there every year, and it's clearly it's only been it. one year. Oh, I thought it had been there multiple years. But, no, uh, just the one. No, so I was like, well, <laughs> you know, maybe there's a reason. But uh, but then I watched Salty Mike for a couple of minutes, and he said, "Look, he goes, I know what we're all thinking, but really, it's a silly competition. It's JPEG. Yeah, yeah. If you're upset about this, give a life. I went. Well, oh, he's right. <laughs> he's commenting not at people being like, "Oh, that's annoying." He's talking about people who were like, "Yeah." threatening yeah. and like yeah. borderline like I hope you're not listeners guys because you need help well <laughs> if you need help get it I hope you're listeners and you hear this this cry for help <laughs> what about yeah. you Chekhov you happy you like eh. yeah this is uh, I mean we're, we're at an age of GameStop and AMC this is all you know expected this kind of stuff yeah you know especially in a gaming world I, I tell you, I do like the MPUV, I, and I do like the uh, the uh, cargo version of it, too. I mean, mm. uh, or the, I guess the MP, what is it, personal transport MP, uh, I think it is. 
I like them both. I just wish they had an ability to go from the surface to the planet by quantum. Yeah. Yeah, but but here's the real question. If this was the only ship that you could, would ever own, who would it be on the side? That's right. You know, I'm sure. I think we've got the answer. Right. I'm sure everybody that's voting probably. Now, if they walk up to, if they if they float up to the side of your door and stick a gun in and make you get out and steal your vehicle, is it carjacking? I mean, is it really piracy? I don't know. Chekhov, you sound like you're sitting on a yoga ball. What? Your squeaky oh, chair. My, I told you the story about the chair, right? Yeah. yeah it's, it's just it, extra squeaky today. Oh, it's because I'm using actually my mic, the ah. professional mic. So it's very sensitive. Right, you're sitting on your mic. <laughs> His microphone is an inside a yoga ball. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, we did today uh, get a roadmap roundup. Nothing major, just um, on the release view. Uh, a few more features were marked to committed. So that's the rest stop space station clinics, Orison's, Orison's, uh, I always want to call it Orison, Orison's <laughs> hospital and New Babbage's hospital. And I'm guessing when they say that, they mean the upstairs, not just the entrance. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that changed, which is not necessarily a bummer because we don't know where it's going to go, but the uh, outpost homestead independent and outlaw um, are is being pulled off the roadmap and, and they are in discussions as to when they're going to actually release those. So once they know when they're going to release them, they'll put them on the roadmap. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if they're, I, I, have a weird feeling that maybe they'll be released. I mean, my one guess is they might release sooner because they look pretty far along with them, but I could be completely wrong and they'll be released later or they'll just go back on the roadmap around the same time. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like they're probably at the point where we go, wow, that's really amazing. But now Chris or or his top guys are going to walk in the room and go, yeah, that's pretty good, but not for this game. Step it up, right? And we're going to yeah. go through another three months of really fine-tuning and how the wicker baskets flex on the ground and how wind blows the grain <laughs> out of the bucket, and, which is amazing stuff. I don't mean to be critical about that. I mean, it, but that's the, you know, that's the extra wow factor. Yeah. Who knows? I wonder also, too, I, I, I just picture the roadmap getting real, really, like, interesting after citizen con because i feel like we're going to get to see a lot and then they're just going to go broop. Mm-hmm. Um, but we shall see uh this week to sort of go with the theme of game changing features we did get a lore post which was actually extremely interesting and it's the guide to regeneration um so ultimately cig decided that instead of having us um magically get recovered by somebody and wake up in a hospital alive um, down the road as being the the game changer. They wanted a way to bring people back who maybe flew too close to the sun, so to speak, uh, and don't have recovery of their body available, uh, particularly as new players join. They don't want them to have to go down the family tree 
mm-hmm. too quickly. So they've come up with regeneration, which is the star citizen version of cloning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because of it, the lore team needed to create how it works in our game. So some of the <clears throat> rules or some of the caveats for this are they want it so that your avatar's memories could be passed on because there's really no point in making a biological copy if they can't remember anything. Um, <laughs> the process needed to also degrade over time so that people in the universe are not immortal. Um, how your avatar perished should be reflected in their new body. If you got blown up, they wanted to see those scars and cybernetic limbs. They also wanted characters to age and not just hop into younger versions of themselves. Um, There should only be one copy of someone at any given time so that there's no such thing as a clone army. Um, So just some important terminology, which I think helps. I didn't, I'm not going to go into the full lore of it, um, but there's, um, Imprint, the term for a complete and holistic bioscan of an individual that not only creates a record of one's DNA, but also all of their memories, thoughts, and personality. While imprints can be transferred between spheres without loss, only one copy of an imprint can exist at the same time. Updating an imprint will override all previous imprints. Regeneration. This is the term for the process in which an imprint is used to recreate the deceased source. Using the information stored in the imprint, a new body is regenerated that is a near identical copy of the original, borrowing, barring, not borrowing, barring the effect of any echoes. Ibrahim Sphere. The technology inside medical beds and scanners that allow them to create and store imprints. Made out of advanced materials that are alien in origin, the technology behind the spheres was made public to encourage mass production and development. It's important to note that not all spheres are created equal. Higher quality spheres are better able to preserve imprints and cause less trauma during the regeneration process, allowing for more cycles before viability failure. Traumatic response echo, or TRE, commonly known as an echo. This is the term used to describe the link between an imprint and its source. When a major traumatic event occurs, such as death or even regeneration itself, the psychological impact of it can sometimes be strong enough to permanently alter the imprint. For example, if a person's legs are crushed prior to death, there's a possibility that an echo will be created that will alter the imprint so that the individual's legs are no longer functional. Echoes are the reason why patients may regenerate, bearing scars and wounds of how they died and why only one copy of a person can exist at a time. Regeneration itself also creates echoes, and over time an individual's imprint will degrade and become less viable. This is also why imprints cannot be used to extend life as the process of aging itself echoes through the imprints. However, testing has shown that the higher quality the medical equipment and sphere, the less severe the impact the echoes will be. Uh, Imprint viability score. This is the number used to rate the viability of an imprint to be used in regeneration. Owning to the degradation... uh, 
degradation experienced from echoes and prints eventually become so damaged that they are no longer viable and the individual will no longer be able to be regenerated. Using higher quality imprints and equipment helps prolong a patient's imprint viability score. Regen, term used for anyone who's undergone regeneration. Um, also slang for the process of regeneration itself. Cycle. Uh, this term references the period between regenerations. People will ask each other what cycle they are on to inquire how many times they've been regenerated. People are sometimes impressed by how long others have gone without needing a regen. Gap. The term refers to the length of time between an imprint being made and when someone is regenerated. The longer the gap, the more memories and experiences will be lost. Frequent imprinting is strongly encouraged. Um, BioT Corp Regen Serum. This advanced progenerative distillate is used as a base material from which cells, tissues, and organs can be bioprinted for use in regeneration. Wiped. This is the term used to express when someone's IVS is low enough that they can no longer be regenerated. The term originated from reference to an imprint being permanently wiped from an Ibrahim sphere. Outlaws will sometimes refer to the wiping someone out as killing them in a manner that will stop them from regenerating, also referred to as ghosting. And last but not least, dead, kill, murder, etc. As regeneration is still relatively new technology, these terms still refer to the stopping of life functions regardless if the individual is able to be regenerated or not. Um, that would be so, a conversation. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of of content. Um, What do you guys think? Seaguard, any thoughts on on this? Is is it interesting to you? Do you like it? I I do like it. I think it's very cool. And I think there's a lot of of playability in it. The one thing I didn't hear them say was that uh, the skill of the doctor performing the regeneration can also impact the quality Mm -hmm. of the imprint, right? They said good point equipment, uh, but yeah, I like it. Cool. Can you um, imagine how valuable the cargo would be of moving imprints? Oh, I wonder if that becomes a thing. And I wonder if I you could steal an imprint using data running. Maybe. 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 Yeah, I can um, imprint and stealing. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, Chekhov, what are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was hoping you're not going to ask what my thoughts are. There was a lot of information. About <laughs> <it>. <laughs> There's a whole lore post talking into yeah. how it was invented and everything, too. I know. You told me about that yesterday when I was going to catch up with it. Now, this is a real, real exciting stuff we're getting into. I mean, this, as I said, when we had the conversation yesterday, I think this, you know, the whole thing is really heading for a whole new chapter of gameplay, and really, the you know, his vision is coming to to this point. Is like I didn't expect it to be here so quickly mm-hmm. with everything that's going on. I mean, this is really cool stuff. Yeah, I mean, even though this is probably much more advanced than where medicine will be, you know, next patch. One, I'm surprised that the medical gameplay is as far as it is. I thought it was going to be much more basic than that. Um, yeah. 
The one thing I would say that's confusing, or not necessarily confusing, but it sounds like almost like a, um, not a mistake, but it's like, to me, it sounds like an imprint is you go to the genetics location within a hospital and you store your information there, and that's where you end up spawning um, when you die. How does an echo work if your memories are stored when you actually make the imprint and you die it's not like that traumatic experience was saved in the imprint so how does it quote unquote echo unless there's some sort of link between your existing body and your imprint now i didn't read the whole article yet so maybe the answer's in there um <laughs> but you know, I would have thought at that point it would have been then described within the um, the imprint section. But I guess we'll see. Um, but really interesting stuff. Well, yeah, you definitely don't want to carry your imprints on you. You know, they yeah. got to be away from you. Well, then because... that would sound like, um, what's that show? Um, Altered Carbon? Great show. Yeah. yeah. With the stack? Yep, yeah, yeah. That's your imprint, sort of, in that. Yep. Yeah, this sounds like you want to keep it in a safe location. It's a very but, cool thing. Yeah, I like I like the fact that it describes a way that you survive in case your body's blown the sm- smithereens. Right. Because right. to me, that it's easier for me to accept this process as more likely for that to happen than to be like, well, we found a bit of you and... We were able to clone the rest. I don't know. It just seems more right. viable. Well, I, I tell you, there's a, a something that Badger brought up, and and I think he's got he's got a question in there, but I'll summarize it real quick now so we don't miss it. But basically, he's saying, you know, if if you're going to regenerate your body, and they're going to regenerate generate it from an image, um, is it better to bring back, you know, your 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 remains in a bag? and start from there or is it better to just start from scratch and is you know is there going to be any advantages it's good it'll be it'll be good for good for discussion that's for sure well way to jump to his question why don't we just answer it that that was one of his q a questions (laughs) yeah i just didn't want to miss it i mean might as well while we're on the topic yeah, he submitted it in uh, the Q&A earlier today, um, and I was able to pull it in. Uh, well, what do you, what do you think? Um, so we were talking a little bit about it. I think that um, – so I'm going to tweak my answer to what I talked to him about separately. I originally thought you would start – you would be better off with the, with the original imprint that you had at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I really believe that even more now, based on your comment, how would you get information like these ghost um, injuries into your image? Yeah. And the only way I can think about it now is if I brought back, if you, you, know, you bring my body back in a bag and I'm half liquid and you try to restore me from a burnt liquid. There's probably going to be some residual memory there that I got hurt really bad, and yeah. the the container, the body itself, may regrow with those scars or damaged areas that can't be. They just leave 
you know, scars and damage instead of starting from a clean slate that's been factory sanitized. So I actually think it may be cheaper to do that, Mm -hmm. but I think it more might be more risky. So maybe that's a black market method. And the other way is, you know, if you can afford it, get the best, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Uh, what what do you think, Chekhov? Do you think it will behoove one to bring to to have their body recovered, um, even if they are dead? Well, versus what? Again, versus I, it being lost. Uh, they grow so, you from so a vast scenario. Right, scenario: so, you die, you yeah. die out in space, um, and you're going to be regenerated no matter what. If someone recovered your body, would it help in some way or benefit in some way than if they just left it out there? Yeah, I guess it depends. Um, right. If you think about it, yeah, if, if you sort of, if you don't recover it, let's say your, your memories are lost or you, um, Maybe it gets tied into your, um, you know, reputation or some parts of it. Um, you know, there's got to be like, I guess, other consequences where you don't recover a, um, uh, it's, because at the end of the day, it'll probably be your choice. Sort of say, okay, you know, come help me, drag me somewhere, you know, bring me to a hospital versus, you know, uh, backspace kind of thing. And, I'll go get, uh, you know, regenerated completely. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it's always probably going to be a toss-up at that point. Well, what, what is the consequence of each? And we are probably going to know that just like we do now, you know. It's like, you know, we're, 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 you know, we're landing, you know, for, all right, should I backspace uh, because I'll be just closer to refinery versus getting out of the ship and walking there? You know, mm. uh, that type of thing. I'm sort of sure those type of decisions are still going to be left, you know, from a practical standpoint. You know, you know, I'm always more in the thinking about the reality of what this game is going to play like, uh, you know, versus, you know, the imaginary, uh, you know, future functionality of, uh, you know, uh, what it possibly may be with, you know, cloning your DNAs and getting too too intricate about it. I think it'll be plain mm. simple decision. You know, what do I do? Backspace, call my buddy, get me dragged, and here's the uh, consequence of both. Hmm. I, I, I have a guess, if anything. So I guess it leads me to ask more questions than anything else at this point, because then it's like, well, even looking back at the article, and memory being a thing sure maybe it will be make maybe you'll be more likely to um, maintain memories or you might be able to recover memories but what's that look like in game anyhow what's a memory in game is it an achievement on your journal mm-hmm. um, or something else you just wouldn't remember it yeah but, but what do you, how do you how does your character quote unquote remember yeah, journal actually. That sounds probably like uh, right. Or maybe, and and don't forget 
um, they already said with death of a spaceman, when you perma die, your journal survives because your next of kin inherits your legacy. So if you killed, they always use the example, if you killed the dread pirate Roberts, then now your kid, your next of kin, they won't be the person who killed the dread pirate Roberts. It will be, that is the son of the man who killed the dread pirate Roberts, Mm -hmm. which earns you some level of reputation. So will it potentially be, is memory going to involve reputation in some way that's the part that's missing for me for me to be like well maybe it'll be good or maybe it won't be good right you know what you won't know is you won't know who your enemies are right you won't yeah the system won't tell you you might know personally but there won't be any flags that indicate them that you would know you know by the game's aid oh that's a that's an interesting way of putting it maybe you wouldn't have any reputation with your friends right some of your friends that you got you met later, it may be all number one, you won't really know them and they won't really know you. Mm-hmm. You may meet, they may pick you up at the hospital, you'd be like, Who the heck are you? They could be bad guys coming to take you and steal your stuff. You don't know. Yeah, I don't I think know. You're gonna that, leave little yellow sticky notes everywhere. That's a or tattoo things on yourself like memento. <laughs> that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um I wonder that it, it's interesting to think about, but I mean, even now th- there's some holes in it for me right now, but it still sounds more compelling than somehow somebody found you in space. And then what's that timer look like? Like, Oh, you waited for two hours to be recovered and no right. one came. So now um, someone conveniently came to the middle of yeah. uh, an abandoned system. Right against all odds and found your corpse and was able to reanimate you. So I think that it'll be an interesting thing to uncover. I also think Um, there's great gameplay that comes out of it. You could have missions where you basically wake up and someone's, you know, stolen your identity and now you're not in the right body and you have to go on a trek to figure out who and what you are and who took your stuff and, you know, Prove who you are. I think it'll be interesting from the standpoint, maybe not the same kind of mission that you're referencing, but I could see this spawning investigation missions into your murder. Yeah, that'd be neat. I killed myself. Um, he flew into the sun. <laughs> Icarus. Um, his shipmate crashed <laughs> and murdered the whole crew by accident. Mm-hmm. Wink on that. Wink. <laughs> well, I was inspired by that. <laughs> We're that good, Miss Valkyrie. Good, that was a good combat drop. I literally <laughs> dropped us into our graves. <laughs> and then I was so afraid you were going to do it again that I jumped from way too high and died anyway. <laughs> or it made, no, I didn't die. I was too far away yeah. from the target. Well, so I was walking for like event? a mile. I don't well, know if I told you day. what I did. How I did? I know what I did wrong now. I actually proved it. I went back and figured it out. I stalled it. So I never put my my thrusters in vertical. I oh. forgot to. So as we got slower and slower to land, it, it didn't have any lift, and that was just after they came out with the flight mechanics. 
So we just <laughs> dropped in from, you know, whatever, a hundred feet in the air. <laughs> no, this was a time check off. I don't, I don't know if you were there. Seaguard was flying a drop ship, the Valkyrie, mm-hmm. and we were doing a bunker mission as a group. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like all ready to go. We're mm-hmm. just all set and pumped. And, you know, org is doing combat missions together. Yay. And um, Seaguard comes in way too fast, it feels like, and just murders us. <laughs> we just explode. I, yeah, I think so. I think we had it on, on film. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure I remember that. And one. I was like, oh, you're you're trying to beat Nubkins's title. Um, it was funny, though. And then that second time, when we're all back at the station, like, whirp, 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 then I jumped out too early and had to walk like the bunker was half cleared by the time I got in there. <laughs> like, hey guys, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I jumped out way too soon. Um so uh that brings us to another segment that uh our good friend Badger likes because he I think he was the inspiration for it initially. Which is our ship comparisons. Yeah. Uh, hmm. So, Seaguard, what are the comparisons this week? So, he wanted to compare the uh, Pegasus, the Hammerhead, and the Nautilus, and how they're used in game, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh. All right. So, uh, you know, well, let me actually pull the Matrix, uh, and I can uh, do a yeah, little better comparison. Whole, I have this brand new Matrix that I may just use for this. Oh, pull it up. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to... But you're going to have to tell me the ships again. So, but you go ahead. Yeah, so, uh, you know... And, and just for the record, I have all three of these. Yes! So, no, uh, I didn't, I didn't I, know you had all three of them. Oh, yeah, as I gloat and jump around and tell my kids, tough, I don't care if you don't go to school. <laughs> <laughs> no, they've already been through school. I paid for it. Schools for <laughs> chumps. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Ships yeah. are for winners. Oh, wait, wait, you that's said right. pe- pe- Pegasus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have the Pegasus, the Nautilus, and the Hammerhead, and they do have slightly different roles, but they're all fairly comparable in size. Oh, you mean the Perseus, uh, by the Perseus. way? Perseus. I'm sorry, not Pegasus. Perseus. Yes, that is correct. And um, I, I think, you know. For, from an observation, just a general observation, you would think that, oh, the hammerhead, you know, has, uh, you know, a lot of guns and everything. That's good. You know, that's great. But so does the, so does the, uh, the Nautilus. Um, and then if you look at the Pegasus, it has less guns, but they're bigger guns, uh, right? They're turreted guns, kind of like, um, more like, you know, turrets on a cruiser or a destroyer or something. Um, and if you look at the Nautilus, certainly it brings the ability to, to throw mines. Um, and I think that will be a great <clears throat> way to make, you know, um, like block areas from people to get to. They may have to shift to smaller ships to get through. You may be able to put up a protective screen around your own forces to keep people away. Um, I, I think that is certainly a good thing. Um all of these ships are, are, you know, smaller than the Polaris. I think uh, that's another thing important to, to mention. I think the Polaris is significantly more powerful. Um, but I've got 
So I just sound the hammerhead. Let me. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I can only compare ships that are in game. Yeah, <laughs> Nautilus. And um, where's the Perseus? So this is it. actually player data that I found. So this is the actual experience. Uh, okay. Yeah, so, so the Hammerhead is a fast patrol ship with multiple turrets designed to combat to combat fighters. The uh, mine layer, uh, the Nautilus, is a tactical mine, mine layer, ultimate strategic combat engineering with fully in integrated mine deployment and sweeping and disarming capabilities. So it can put down a minefield or clear a minefield. Um, that's what it's designed for. And then you have... Uh, the Perseus, which they call the modern statement in persuasive prevention. Um, so capable of shredding sub-capital class Goliaths. The mere presence of a Pegasus, a Perseus gunship in a blockade or patrol squad is enough to make your most aggressive enemies think twice before engaging. So, you know, I... Just based on the description, I, I do think the Perseus is probably capable of taking on the Hammerhead, right, from the general look, and probably the Nautilus also. But the Nautilus has a trick up its sleeve, you know, that can certainly, a minefield could, if you lure a Perseus or Hammerhead in, it could help. Um, from Dimensions, uh, which is actually, this is kind of interesting, um, which do you think is the longest? Uh, it is, it's the hammerhead. It's the Nautilus, but the hammerhead is uh, second. You're right. And Perseus, which I actually thought, I thought was the longest, was the, the lead, it's the shortest. No, it's pretty it's, short, yeah. It's 100 meters. Beam-wise, um, it's also the narrowest. So it's the smallest ship. Height-wise, it's... It's also not as tall as the uh, Nautilus. So the Nautilus is the biggest by what we're talking, uh, 30 feet, mm -hmm. right? 10 so meters. Way, uh, yeah, I'm not sure it's the fighting capabilities, but maybe I'm wrong because it looks like uh, the data that I'm seeing, it was redesigned in 2950 to be a civilian ship and carry cargo. So I don't know if they took away weapons when they did that or, or that the nautilus that's the Perseus. Oh, okay uh, to, to yeah it was uh, uh it was redesigned with modern components and overhauled cargo bay to accommodate more cargo and ground vehicles yeah so so um yeah see it doesn't say that on here for this one so that's interesting the uh when we look at the mass right the if you look at the hammerhead, the hammerhead's four million two hundred and sixty thousand ton or kilograms. If you look at the um, Nautilus, it's thirteen and a half million kilograms. That's three times bigger. That's now, that's significantly heavier, and you know, assuming that's. Um, armor and everything else, it's uh, it's significantly bigger. They don't have a listing for the Perseus. Right. And for those of you that actually would like uh, to own a Perseus, uh, if you buy it, you get a hammerhead and Vanguard as a loaner. 
But this is strange, you know, most of the ships are slated with either always available or time-limited sales. The Perseus has a blank, like, you know, nothing. <laughs> That's the only ship on the whole chart that has blank. Oh, interesting. Not promotional only, not time-limited, not always available. It's just a blank. So I don't know what that means. Um, let's see. Cargo-wise, uh, Perseus, so the Nautilus, again, is the largest at 64. It's the biggest, I would assume that now. Uh, the, the Hammerhead is at 40 and the Perseus at 50, which is kind of interesting because it is a smaller ship overall. Um, Crew-wise, here's a really interesting thing. So, minimum crew. Um, this is really interesting, actually. So, the minimum crew for the Hammerhead is three. The maximum crew is is nine, which is one of my beefs about it, right? Um, it's hard to get the most out of that ship. Um, when you look at the Nautilus, it's a minimum of four. It takes more to run the the basic ship, but it's eight overall. So, so it, I think it's slightly easier to run it than the than the Hammerhead. Not significant, but the Perseus kind of shines here. But it has a minimum crew and a maximum crew of six. <laughs> so, so unless you got six of your buddies around all the time, you ain't flying that very often. But when you do, it'll fly well, evidently. Um, well, I I also sit there and say like, if you look at them, the 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 dream is you have at least one of each in a fleet because one is there to help get the fleet through dangerous potential spacescape, right? As well as create a perimeter around key locations for your org, and then the other is meant to protect like let's face it the the um, hammerhead is really meant to protect capital ships um from you know fighters and then last but not least the perseus is meant to be more of an aggressor so you have a ship that's not really meant to get into the fight it's meant to support pre fighting engagements there's another one meant to get into the fight but meant to pick off the smaller targets right and then there's one that's meant to be an aggressor to everything but some of the largest targets so you know between those three it's like their function on the battlefield is going to or what do you call it <laughs> space the space battle is going to be um very very different and individualized for your needs and i think you know that makes it hard to compare especially agree go ahead there uh, no uh, go ahead i I didn't say anything i just breathed in how dare you breathe in (gasps) next you're gonna breathe out i i think you're right i mean there's some differences in the power plants and things like that Mm -hmm. there's some larges like uh you know the hammerhead tends to be in the mediums with some large stuff the the other two appear to be actually the um, Nautilus is mostly in the larges Mm. Um, it has a small jump module that's weird and then the um, 
Pegasus has a large jump module. So I think that's probably enough. I think that's wrong. Yeah, um, probably. Yeah, so there's some problems in there. So I can't really determine that. They all seem to have vertical takeoff and landing thrusters, retro thrusters. Um, I think they're all comparable in those areas. Um, three large shield generators on the Nautilus versus two large on each of the others. Yeah. So it's going to give yeah, it doesn't say much of a weaponry. Go ahead. I was going to say, given, given their role and function, what, which one, I, I guess I'm curious to know, which one do you think is going to be the most functional on its own within a battlefield? Right. So if, if you only have one option, which do you choose given, you know, the relative flexibility or inflexibility of what the ship can do? Also depends how many crew, I guess. Well, assuming that, that you can fully crew any of them. I would, you know, there's, I would say that probably the Perseus, be based on the weapons, um, he does have the two big size seven turrets um, with two guns on each size seven, uh, but it also has some size three Gatling cannons and two turrets. Two, so I think it could fight fighters and large ships. And it has size five torpedoes. Yeah. So it could fight anything its own size for sure. It would struggle more than the um more than the hammerhead against fighters, but the hammerhead is pretty helpless against any like a Perseus. Yeah. Um, so I um the and this is you know, the Nautilus is pretty good. It's got seven size seven man forward turrets times two. So it's got the same size turrets as the Perseus. And it has two size three with size three weapon turrets on it. And then it has a three size three belly turret. Uh, So it has a belly turret also looks like with size three weapons. So I'm almost thinking the Nautilus may be the better you know, it might be a combination of almost the two. Yeah. It's hard so to, it's say, hard to say. It is hard to say. Especially we don't know how, um, like, what's not in the stats as far as I know, and I could be completely wrong here, but we don't know how well armored they are. Correct. I, so, I definitely would like to see them fight. Um, like, I think the Perseus, if you're planning on fighting ships you know, that are pirate ships the size of Constellation and above, Perseus is going to do a great job. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't well, know it'll that be the something Hammerhead to test do as well. Yeah, yeah. And they're all out. Um, yeah, I think this info is probably totally wrong from the wiki about it's becoming a civilian or something. No, they did, they, did, they did reference that. Um, oh, they did? So. Yeah, it's the militarized version didn't have the same capacity it said this was when it first released it's but that's just sort of like them okay you know, but it, talking so it, it didn't lose the guns though no no it's got the guns it's just saying like that 
that the military version isn't the one that people will be able to buy in game. Yeah. Question will be, will they be able to steal one that's mm. military? Right. Right. Um, you know, hammerhead to me, if the hammerhead had a ship killing missile on it, I would feel better about it. Oh yeah, like a couple tor a few torps. Yeah, right now it has lots of ship missiles, but yeah, I would rather see a, a turret with a missile and torpedoes in the in the bays. You know, even if it's one or two, right? Yeah. Um, I would feel safest a on a torpedo on a ship against a gunship. I do think I would feel safest on a Perseus, yeah. yeah. As crew on a Perseus. Perseus yeah. is one of the coolest looking ships out of the world. And it's fast. Yeah, It's, it's meant a, to be quick strike. So speaking of fast, can you imagine what it will cost to upgrade these things? And, uh, you know, and also considering we don't have insurance on components. I mean, I don't know. It's probably going to be over a million easily. Probably a couple of million to upgrade this. Probably. I, I tell you, this is part of the reason I think that some of the lower end ships, not lower in quality, but you know the the less expensive ships are going to be more useful for everyday drivers than we give them credit for. Oh, a hundred percent. Right. I mean, yeah. like a, a, a stock freelancer or freelancer max is going to be a great vessel. Don't upgrade it at all. Just bring a bag worth of junk with med pens and food and water and fly and deliver your cargo and come back. If you lose the ship, you lose the ship. Just make you make sure you have an escape pod. That's the only thing I would say. You have a ship with an escape pod. All right. So, yeah. yeah. Bring up, well, I think it goes along with everything that that's happening in the game, including the inventory. There's going to be a... Uh, uh, more planning that needs to take place when as when you're doing something. You know, just like in real world, you know, I have a spanking brand new Ferrari. I'm not just going to take it on any road or into any neighborhood, right? So, you know, you got to, you know, right. there's a purpose to the ship. You, you A, you want to keep it probably, you know, closer to where it needs to go. And uh, you, you're not going to take, uh, you know, a huge capital ship. And you know, take it down into the atmosphere or close right. to it, because then right. you're really risking of losing a lot. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Um, excellent. So great comparison, uh, Badger. Yeah. I, I don't know. If we really answered his question. But. Oh, well, what was his actual? It was well, his just question. Do really? a comparison tactically. I I, I think the uh, summary is that we do have. They, they have enough uniqueness around them that they are different. Yeah. And in combination, they could probably be extremely powerful added to yeah. a fleet. But I do think if I was just doing a patrol, probably would want the... Um, if I was out farther away from things, planets and stuff where fighters can't get out very easily, I would want the Perseus. If I was near a station or a planet... I would definitely want to take the uh, the hammerhead. Yeah. So I am in agreement there. Yep. Um, excellent. Now, speaking of Mr. Badger, um, he submitted something for everyone's favorite segment. Hmm. Uh, 
That actually reminds me. I know I've got something. Bill Nye, the science guy. <laughs> but I forgot what it was. <laughs> Check off. <laughs> Those naps aren't doing very good for your uh, memory. <laughs> I know. I should have um, to get into the habit of writing things down. So for those, if, if, the, if you're new to the podcast, this is for science, where we talk about what we did in this past week in the name of science. So for starters, let's talk about Badger's submission. Uh, Bloody Badger's submission was, for science, not piracy, in parentheses. Mm. Another read member and I were able to borrow an MPC Starfarer during an ECN mission. After convincing the pilot to respawn in a new location, do NPCs respawn? We were able to use the ship for a bounty mission. The NPC gunners still manned the turrets and fired at enemy targets like server blades. If you scan the ship, it showed the NPCs manning the turrets. Um, interesting. <laughs> so yes. now you'll know what server blades feel like <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want to borrow a ship um, in the future, folks. Um, it's like aggressive negotiations. Isn't yeah. that uh, from Star Wars? <laughs> I can't remember where you were doing that last year with a hammerhead. Yeah. So you clip through the bottom. Is that new things? You clip through the bottom or is we kept getting shot down in our hammerhead. And I don't remember. I, I know when you're referencing, but I can't remember. And he fell through by accident. It wasn't like he was trying to do it. It was like How about the time tail. he went flying in through the door and <laughs> ragdolled and <laughs> couldn't get up? Oh, that was great. I remember that. That really, <laughs> that really should be like an Olympic event. Yeah, Weird. yeah. We couldn't. We couldn't stop laughing to save our lives. Yeah, that, that was awesome. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Open up. Uh, open up the front of the hammerhead. That's the really oh. the reason to take the hammerhead out. Open up the front and, of the hammerhead and let people face plant on the way in and film it. And that's when that's when Buddy Dragon <sighs> just came out and we were dragging him all around the ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that was good. Oh, that was goodness. good times. Yeah, and those were the days. And, and sure. Sparkle was uh, knifing everybody from the back. <laughs> and now he's a uh, now he's a uh, pacifist. Pacifist, right. yes. That's right. Um, Chief pilot. So, uh, Seaguard, we uh, we mentioned at the beginning of the episode we were going to talk about this, but Wait, we... I actually have a lot for science. I wasn't joking. Oh, oh, you want you yeah. want to go first, Chekhov? Oh, oh yeah. I'm sorry. I, let I him go know. first. Let him go first. Yeah, yeah. We. I just remember before I forget. Just let me go, <laughs> He's like, I'm uh, contributing. <laughs> yeah, I'm contributing. I just what was the question again? <laughs> and, yeah, and you know what segment this, is this? <laughs> and I spent so much time, specifically for science, doing it. It'd be a shame if I forgot. So we actually were on the mission to find caves, uh, both uh, uh, large caves that we could fly into or take vehicles to, and the ones that you cannot quantum to, the ones that are on the map, and you actually have to triangulate and follow the instructions, and and we did. So we were successfully uh, not only found them, but were able to follow the instructions and using those instructions, get to these caves, and it was 
uh, it, it, but I have to say, I found them to the T, the, like to, to a decimal point. You know, go to OM1, turn this way, face that way. But I have to say that you find them, but you're within about 2,000 meters. So what you mm-hmm. need at that point, like, for example, uh, a perfect ship for it would be a Connie. So and that's what we do. We take a Connie. You get there. Uh, you don't really see where the cave is. Uh, but then you take a snub uh, ship, you know, take the Merlin out, and then you just kind of scout around and you find the actual case. Because most of these caves, like we found the one on Microtech, it was 2,900 elevation. This is, by the way, the highest elevation cave uh, in game that you could fly into. And um, and then it's like in a side of the mountain. So we're able to find two of them successfully with several org members helping. And uh, we have to say there is there are some valuable items in these caves. So some of the caves, uh, we found many, many harvestables, which we still yet to find where to sell them, but we find plenty of those. And other caves, there was a lot of mineables, you know, ebonite. And, so, and that was the mission, really, to explore and, A, find the actual caves and then find what's in them. So that's my um, segment for science. That's great, Chekhov. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, so, oh, and, and what we were going to talk about a little bit was the org event um, on Sunday uh, that we had. Uh, Seagard, did you want to fill in the group? Uh, yeah, I can talk about it. The so- audience. Yeah, so we did our, I guess it's our fifth um, org event. We've done other other events, don't get me wrong, but this is the first or the fifth time we've said, hey, we're going to take the, the group out. We're going to form up for a mission, the entire, as many people as we can. And we had 22, um, 22 people partake. And we had five different groups executing different missions from security to hauling vehicles and cargo to mining and pathfinding or, or finding uh, areas to mine. So this was a ground mining uh, with rocks and, and DSs, rock DSs. Um, and uh, it was, I think it was a great success. Um, like, like any big event, you know, gathering the troops all in one place and getting, you know, the, the cats herded and is a big part of it. But we did some things... I think very, very well. There's some yeah. areas for improvement, but I think we did some areas, things very, very well, um, which probably were done better than we had done them in the past. So. Yeah. I would say it was relatively smooth. Um, my critique was uh, the uh, science division, which I um, was team lead for and, and run in general. Didn't have as much to do. We spent a little bit of time waiting, but part of that, a lot of that had to do with, well, one, I split up the team so that we were on different ships, thinking that there would be a lot of people mining. So we figured, well, let's cover as much as much ground as we can, especially because of how spotty some of the rock mining has been lately. Um, and 
we were we were having a lot of success finding things, but it was taking a while to get the, the crew over to mine it. Um, Absolutely, uh, a lot of that had to do with the um, the group system still not working well uh, in terms of being able to see other people's waypoints and a whole bunch of other things. But it was really nice to see sort of mm. you know a really combined team approach to things even you know i i see this as really being practice for the future right, right. i you know and for me uh or check or well, check out for you weren't you were there you weren't there you weren't there no i wasn't um, okay he was fishing so I was, I was yeah, but he fishing. caught a tuna so that was good i did but but needed to be accurate it was a small tuna unfortunately we were trying to get a Mikey, Mikey. But How'd you get him in the can? Yeah. Put mayonnaise in the can first. <laughs> I, uh, and, and I also have to say that before this podcast, I seared the tuna that we caught on the barbecue, and it came out very well. Oh, very good. Good. Yeah. Good. Hey, we were talking about that the other day, how to cook it. Yeah. Um, mm. So for me, you know, so I had logistics. I I had logistics like geeky head science, um, and um, so our our mission was really we had two different functions and we had two different ships that we were designated to bring. One ship was to move the mining vehicles to so the crew. We had to fly it over, land at a point that we didn't know about until the mission started. Um, link up with the miners, load their vehicles, and then take them to where uh, Geeky's uh, teams had run out and identified, or uh, we stayed on the same planet. Um, so that was kind of one blessing. Uh, from our perspective, we did a couple things that were different. Uh, we have a new year a new year plan we just kind of set up recently, which I should probably talk to you about later, but uh, if we have time. Anyway, um, so we had Nightshade acting as the fleet commander for that event. It's just kind of the way I, I want to run things in the division. I want people other than me to bring their ships because I have lots of ships and I want them to do fun things. I think my job as the division lead is to kind of get them the opportunity to have fun. So basically I, I turned it over for the first time to one of our two fleet commanders. Uh, and first time, he had done this. I, obviously, I've laid other groups of ships around on convoys or whatever, and one or two others have. But you know, this was the first chance to do that, and so he attended the meeting with the leaders and relayed his information back um, while we were on a different channel in Discord. So we had to lead the channel. There, there was only five of us from logistics, by the way. So we have about twelve total. Uh, so we're less than half. Um, so the ships that we decided to bring were a C2 seemed like a great idea. We had all these mining vehicles we're expecting, but we didn't know we had a security vehicle. We had a haul. So we took the C2 because of its capacity and it's a two person ship. There's only five of us, right? So that left three people for the other ship, which was going to be the cargo ship, which was going to be able to move the cargo back to port and sell it. Right, so you take it out of the vehicles. They would load it onto their ship, and then they would sail it back and sell it, and we would distribute the the, the reward of the the profits amongst everybody. Um, 
but we realized there was a problem with that, and that was the ability to move ships around on the planet was going to be rough with only one real ship doing it, the C2, and the other one running cargo. So we said, that mm-hmm. we need to bring another ship. And instead of staying fully crewed, we actually went under crewed, and we brought along a, a third vehicle, a Taurus, um, which I ended up flying. Um, I think I blew up or something in the beginning. And uh, and I had a, I came late. That's what it was. I came... I was on another planet, so I had to fly up late. But I brought a Taurus. So we found that the Taurus, the C2 worked perfectly. It was great. No issue. It, it does exactly what you want. It's a two-person ship. It's great. Um, and we had flight security that was coordinating with us, which was great. They would drop into our channel. They would talk to us, and that was fantastic. Um, so then we, we landed, dropped off the vehicles. But then the the two constellation class ships started proving their worth because they were able to take one or two of these mining vehicles and move them out to where the pathfinders really were sitting. And we really had three ships moving and the C2 even started moving things around. So I thought that was an interesting outcome that, you know, there may be a value to taking like three Tauruses or there may be a value to taking, you know, three Andromedas as the lift ships and just spread the package out more. Um, yeah. The, the other surprise that was nice was that we found that the engineers, <clears throat> which work under Nick's division and, and Chekhov, you're an engineer, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So guys like Chekhov would be normally manning the vehicles and actually mining and pulling the boxes out so we could um, move them for them. Um it worked really well because they could just get on the intercom of the system and talk to us without having to do anything in discord. So they stayed within their own mind, their own engineering team talking on discord, but they could easily talk to us within the crew using the normal intercom system. And I thought that was a great outcome. That was just an artifact of the game. We basically had multiple radio systems at a time working. So, um, I thought it was great. The other thing we kind of learned is that terrain definitely impacts which which ships can land and drop off things easily. The bigger the ship, the tougher it is right now to lower the ramps and get a good fit to the ground. Yeah. The smaller ships, um, like the Connie, can actually rock. You can actually rock it forward because it has the front and back um like heel of the of the landing gear has a little bit of a kick, like a kick yeah. up. And even on a hill, I was able to rock it back and put the back ramp down or the back of the ramp was close to the ground or put it forward. And it worked seamless. It was, it was neat to look out the window and watch a guy mining over there, and just twiddle my thumbs or fiddling with armor or talking to the guys. And he's out there mining and he tells me, Hey, I'm on, roll it up, bring up the, bring up the ramp, lift off and, had out of a hundred clump or hundred meters per second looking for the next spot. So, yeah. So those are, those are some takeaways. I thought it was interesting. Um, and organizationally, I think, um, having the fleet commander there, something we're going to work on. It's something we started in our year, our, this year's kind of final phase. We're going to try to do this couple things. And that was one of the new positions we wanted to have. We have two people that volunteered to take that role on in bigger events. Um, nice, and uh, and that lets us form up our ships in a squadron, 
and not have to worry. We can talk while one guy's running off and relaying the orders to us. Uh, yeah. I thought that piece was really great. Like the ability for the different teams to not get bogged down. My, um, my thought process, at least for this particular event and at least with where mechanics are today. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt because it'll be different in a year or two. Um, and could be anywhere from slightly different to substantially different how we will navigate these things. But I felt um, it was good, but I felt like given the capabilities that we could have had, it would have made a little bit more sense for most of the teams to end up being a blended team in one ship. Like, like a Connie, the, the big thing was the med bed was one of the things that we wanted to have. So, uh, given what's going to be changing with medical, that leaves very few ships. It's going to be a Karakura or 890 going forward until they release the Apollo and some of the others. Right. So, given that it had to be one of those two ships, a Karak could easily carry the equipment. Um, and could um, find what they're looking for. And then, uh, you know, you could have security personnel manning the turrets so that it, because it, it is a relatively safe ship now that they've made changes to the way ships, um, you know, fight and, and the way they take damage. Um, and then the, the main difference would be then you'd still want someone ferrying the find um afterwards so then it would be you'd still want a convoy of of ship uh, you know ships that are going between locations but then we could have had blended teams at multiple sites maybe even different moons um but it was it was really interesting i thought the best thing like i said to come out of it was learning a better way of communicating in an event like that, because the communication was pretty smooth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't hear it from the top level because I wasn't up there with you guys, but Nightshade said it worked pretty well. Yeah. Well, I didn't hear most people either because, it, but on my, sh- on my ship, not my ship, my team, we were on the same comms and then I would um, bounce between um, my, my crew, my team, and um, the command uh, channel, and then then relay where we had a find and who needed, because initially what was happening um, was we were having um, our defense fleet come secure the area so that the um, the you know the scientist who was overseeing that particular site was safe um, from harm. And then once once that happened, then they would also send along the logistics and mining teams, mm-hmm. um, if I'm not mistaken. So, that was, yeah, yeah it was interesting. had an Ursa rover, I think we carried for him. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I think we carried that along with the mining vehicles. Yeah, did awesome. you guys uh, use a Connie for them to be a... 
perfect play would have been with the snub fighter, either doing scanning or the, or the escort. See, and that's where I think it's it's kind of interesting is that if using some of those smaller ships, you do combine a, a, an escort ship. You provide, a, you know, the ability to haul things, and you have turrets. Uh, yeah. So you can have a multi-crew ship, and um, I I do think you know there's some advantages to having out some of these other ships. I yeah. don't know what the balance is yet. Yeah, the biggest thing will be when when we need to respawn. But besides that, it's still like the the Connie was doing quite well. Um, I felt like in that event. Yeah. Um, yeah. It flew. It very flies quick, really well. In and out. Yeah, it flies mm-hmm. very well. I felt like I was running around about one twenty, one hundred, and we were scanning. I was able to scan from the pilot station, and I didn't have a co-pilot. And the rock um, Flavius was in the rock, and he was actually scanning from the rock inside the inside mm. the uh, as we were moving along. So we were finding stuff. Uh, Really? Yeah, so it was interesting. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, so, uh, moving on, we have, since we, I feel like we just started to drag a little bit about the event. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I can <laughs> um, talk with, uh, with Seaguard, your question of the week, um, as a refresher for all those folks who don't remember, Seaguard had asked, so far, we see very unique ships with no true competitors. Would you prefer to see more brands competing directly with our current commercial and industrial ships? For example, multiple large ships that compete directly with the Carrick or the Connie's or even the Prospector. Features are very similar, but cosmetically they are different. Are there any ship classes in particular you'd like to see expanded? Um, and so first up, um, almost as always is Loon. Yeah, he was uh, on it right as I'm, yeah, he was on it. Like he's like, he's <laughs> typing. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Loon, for always contributing. Um, he, uh, he said, um, if you think about it like cars, then it only makes sense. Like with cars, the ships themselves are only at a handful of vehicle types. The larger you go, there are only a few options to pick from before it becomes a role-of-use decision on what to buy. Cargo ships are like the few semi-truck manufacturers to pick from that you would trust. And the same can be said for any of the exploration uh, ships. It gets to a Chevrolet versus GMC debate when you all know it's really the same market and you're just nitpicking features. Um, His second comment was, I'd love to see this for mining ships. There's just a prospector and the Argo mole to pick from. And when you think about it, it's just like going from a subcompact hatchback to an SUV. You're really only trading up for size and multi-crew, multi-crew play or you were a masochist. Um, he, he, you did forget the Orion there, Loon, but it's not a yeah. game yet, so we'll forgive you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I agree in this respect. Like, there's only 
you, you get one of each size really so far. So, you know, we want to see more. Um, uh, yeah. Um, next up is uh, Boris Kraken. And he uh, states, um, wait, where'd he go? No, I'd like them to finish the current backlog of ships that have actual gameplay. It's a nice idea they may implement. But again, fashionista, you're putting style over substance. Yes, I do. (laughs) 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 What a fashionista. Just remember, beauty is skin deep. <laughs> that's sad. <laughs> Ship skin deep. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, I mean, I agree with him, but um, you know, I just, uh, I just I posted think... the question for this week, and Luna's already typing. See, <laughs> it's like he's wait. He waits. Does he know what night we record? Because it's different every week lately. Man, he's um, he monitors the station. That's Meanwhile, I don't remember playing with him anytime recently. Loon, no. where have you been? No, he hasn't <laughs> been in the game in a long time. I think he had computer problems. Um, I mean... And, and work has been busy. I think he's short. Oh, he did say that. Yeah, they were short guys. Yeah. Um, that, I, I do agree with, with um, Boris, but... Um, Boris, uh, just as a comment here, I didn't recall Seaguard saying when they made these ship competitors. It could be after all the others are done. Um, I actually say, I really meant now. Uh, okay. <laughs> but people are waiting for their ships, including me. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. there's not many ships where their functionality is in game. Yeah. Um, okay. So... Yeah. Argo why not make another why not make another mining ship while yeah. while mm. those features are in game maybe give it a little bit of a uniqueness a reason to use that one over something else you know um uh, canuck uh says i think that it's absolutely necessary to bring in other ship models to compete in the various categories this could take on a few different iterations of course the first and most basic would be a purely cosmetic approach, but this is the most unlikely because CIG has already demonstrated that they want ships to vary a bit in order to offer players some choice. Using the Prospector as an example, I see them having different manufacturers develop competing ships with different characteristics. A deep space solo mining ship, for example, with an inherently slower mining and collection rate, but with an increased SCU and dampened signature could be an option. Or a solo mining ship that has very high fracturing rates and no SCU um, that would be designed to work in tandem with other collection means. The game is still a long ways out, and that means there's lots of time to keep concepting and developing new ships before and well into the game's life. As for a ship class, I would like to see... I'd like to have a more expanded selection. It would seem to have... Wait. Oh, okay. It would seem to have... It would... It would have to be, sorry, there we go. That's why I'm crossing my brain, apparently. It'd have to be a two-seater runabout, like the Origin 85X, with a small trunk or whatnot. 
enabling players, once outposts are player controllable, buildable, to be able to make short forays in small teams without having to bring large, costly to operate ships that do small daily tasks. Uh, edit, I see people below talking about now. I'm talking about eventually and perpetually, and I use the prospector only because it was mentioned in the question. It obviously applies to all ships. Um, Captain who, who, Kieran. Who did the answer come from? I just curious. Uh, Canuck. Canuck. Captain Kieran says, I'll never say no to new ships, new manufacturers, etc. That said, for now, I'd rather they focus on getting the core mechanics polished and released. I'd like to see beta within a year, and if that is at the expense of new ships, I'm fine with it. Uh, Kieran, I don't think it will be at the expense of new ships. It's a pipeline that runs on its own at this point, but yes, I see what you say. Uh, I'd really love to see more mining ships and definitely some direct competitors for the Carrick. It's the only ship so far that does everything it does so well. I would like to mm. see more flavor with some with the same capabilities. Yeah. Um, uh, mm. Yeah, I mean, sure. Compete with the Carrick. Nice try. You know, uh, no. well, speaking of uh, Carrick, <laughs> one thing I never realized that in-game uh, price of Carrick versus 890, I just looked at it. There's not much difference. I no. Mean, it is the second most expensive ship in the game right now. Yeah, you would think so, right? I mean, so so here, so a question comes to mind. Uh, if money was no object, even for you, would you say 890 or Carrick? Would it still be Carrick? Yeah. The Carrick just has more functionality. The 890 is awesome, and that is a ship I want to work towards in-game as my pleasure barge you know we're having the reed holiday party you know kind of thing um but i think the function especially because i am uh you know an explorer at heart uh you know is going to be the carrick mm. well if you're working for the dead 90 you better start coming out with us for those quantanium runs yeah. Well, I would also say, by the way, I think the Carrick will have competitors in its size. I think the main difference will be it will probably be the most armored ex exploration ship. I think that's going to be its yeah. its unique selling point. Yeah. And and I it's the military exploration vessel. Yeah, and I, and I do think all these ships are great. I mean, I I do want them to finish. I have a lot of ships still that I haven't received yet. But uh, eventually, I do want to see a cat, or you know, I want to see a, a constellation parked uh, next to another ship that has a snub fighter or a snub cargo ship embedded, and you know, a couple turrets and different type of drop bay. But you know, and that's going to be the Drake has one. Drake's going to have one very soon, right? Um, so we shall see. Yeah, uh, Mavros says our good friend Seth from España says I agree with Captain Kieran right now I would rather they release the mechanics for the ships and then we could talk more I'm thinking modularity as a way to enhance variety without having to design a whole new ship that's a good point uh, Seth um, you know modularity it sounds like they're leaning even more into that direction than they were before with a lot of ships um 
And then last but certainly not least is Earth. Uh, and he said, I'd like to see more of the intended ship roles come into play to even be able to answer that question. Mining is pretty well along, but exploration ships need things to find, gather, bring back, and sell, etc. Similar with scanning. The Terrapin, for example, needs a role. Data runners need data. Even the Starlifter needs yeah. more of a reason to transport tanks. My Having favorite Herald needs something to do. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you love that Herald. I'm about um, to buy it. Oh. Yeah. And lose it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it's such a fast little ship. I would uh, never buy it with real money, though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Um, even the Starlifter needs more of a reason to transport tanks. Having said that, though, the game is largely about immersion. So if they introduce another small mining ship that feels different or has different pros and cons, I think that's great. Yeah. yeah, you know, I agree with uh, Seth about modularity. I can't tell you how many times I walk on a ship, come up to these modules, and just wishing, you know, kind of, you know, clicking on them, you know, hoping they would just start functioning. You know, they're just like they're they're there, and they just, yeah. you know, and to so be modularity features are there, right? Modularity, modularity is a feature. Right? It, yeah, it's a, uh, you know. On an industrial ship, that's incredibly good. It, but there's also advantages, probably in cost, of just having the basic ship, you know, kind of generic red hauling ship, right? And the bakery ship. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at the uh, Retaliator, which will be the first to really show off any real modularity. And, um, you know, it's kind of a interesting combo because it's like you look at it and it looks like a you know torpedo ship i mean it's yeah. got a little bit of that like submarine kind of like um yeah. half submarine half b1 bomber yeah exactly <laughs> and then its other compartment its other modules are dropship and um you know cargo um so it's interesting to see that because it's like Wow, I would never, I would never use a retaliator for cargo. But maybe it has a good reason to, because maybe it's still pretty good on the defensive um, compared to some other cargo ships. So it'll be interesting to see that happen. Um, great topic by the way. Um, did you want to go through what your question is for next week? I always yeah. wait to the end and I'd rather yeah, actually one, do it for the segment. Yeah, this one is fine. Uh, so I just posted it by the way, and, and uh, we already have our first answer from Luke, but uh, <laughs> so the, the question is really around. Um, so it's really around the inventory system and I try to keep it simple. Um, so, so given what we know about the new inventory system, how do you plan to keep yourself and your ships ready to fly, live and work in the verse? That's great. It, and it's one of your, it sort of ties into one of your great questions that you always sort of have on your mind too. <laughs> exactly. That's what drives them. That's every time that is what drives them. <laughs> I mean, I get to answer it right now. I've got so many options I could play with, but I don't want to confuse anybody. Yeah. So, 
Um, awesome. So we'll, we look forward to hearing uh, everyone's responses for next week. Um, now, uh, we already talked about Bor- um not Boris. I always want to call Badger Boris for some reason. Um, we already talked about Badger's question earlier. Um, so we have one other question from last week. And that comes to us from Buck Nasty Forty Two, mm. um, who is not a read member um, and is a member of our Discord. Um, so thank you, Buck Nasty, for submitting your question. Uh, please keep them coming. Um, and he asks, with the three fifteen wipe confirmed, what advice do you have for new players who have never been through a wipe oh, before? What a great question. I knew you would like that one, Chekhov. <laughs> I would definitely take one out. Because Chekhov wants to do a segment about this. There you go. <laughs> Once they wipe. So, yes, exactly. So uh, no worries, because you could just follow me along, because I am back to one ship after they wipe. I'm back to my nomad, and I'm going to work my way out. But, but, but I do have an advice, and uh, this is my strategy. So one thing I have to say is uh, uh, if you're going to upgrade to anything, uh, you can uh, go ahead and purchase the uh, Prowler uh, because if you buy Prowler, and again, you have to wait until the sale happens, I guess somewhere around November, uh, pick up a Prowler because for Prowler, you will get a Buccaneer and a Prospector as a loner. Right, so right um, away, not the Prowler checkoff. Oh, something I'm sorry. else. Well, it wasn't the Prowler. You're thinking of the Vulture. The Vulture. I. You're right. You're right. I stand corrected. Absolutely right. The Vulture. Right. So a, it gives you a, a bit of a variety, you know, so you can still do some, um, you know, combat missions, and you have the Money Maker, which is a prospector to do mining. So and now uh, you will need a something to carry your cargo in so i'm not sure what your starter ship is so you have a couple options there you could stick with a nomad which is not a bad little ship to carry the refined material back and forth but you will go back and forth quite a bit or there's another great option where you could purchase a hull b and get a uh, freelancer max as a loaner and the reason why i'm saying uh, to purchase the concept ships because you could buy all those ships in game, but they will actually cost you more money than buying the concept and getting the loans. So that's my strategy. That's what I'm doing. And I will, if we, if we all agree, of course, I'll try to take some time every podcast to kind of keep everybody updated as to how I'm grinding back up to get my 12 ships that I'm about to lose. Yeah. I think that would be great. It's it's a little bit of a journey for us. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you, Seagard? What advice do you have for someone who's um, yeah, you're not just going to go a, through their first wipe? This is not just a pitch for our org, but join our org. Yeah. So, uh, but basically, I am absolutely. I bought my original account, and I have a lot of ships because I absolutely wanted to getting get into play with more people. I had always been a solo gamer, and I had never done it. So I said, I'm just going to commit to doing a a, a org 
you know, thing. So I absolutely own a bunch of ships and I need people to help man them and just to have fun. And typically for me, I would absolutely split the profits. However, you know, the crew seems, you know, what's profitable for the crew and we will either loan you ships for free and you can fly my prospector or, or mine, any of us. I mean, we all lend each other ships, but you could just use someone's ship in the org if they're not using it, or you can fly on a regular basis. You know, like Chekhov and I used to meet Tuesdays and Thursdays and we would go out yep. and work together on some activity until we got better and better and better. But, uh, you know, when you start, when you start crewing in an org where, you know, people have extra moles hanging around or prospectors hanging around because they got their, one of their four Connie's out and, you know, um, and, and guys who have those bigger ships also tend to start with credits. So I'll start with 150 credits, 150,000 credits. Right. I suspect I'll be filling my C2 probably within two or three days, pretty regularly making a profit. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, and it is true. Sorry. We're, we're go ahead. So join a crew and join a crew and earn money that way. And you'll have yeah, just just to echo that at the which uh, you know Sigurd is right. Without Sigurd's help, because I ran into Sigurd very early on in the game, even before we joined the orcs. And yeah, without his help, I would have taken me months longer to figure these things out because I was able to, he lent me ships a number of times. I was able to figure out what to do and learn and then would, uh, you know, rent some ships and then really uh, get more and more, you know, efficient and, you know, yeah. mining first and combat. So, yeah, definitely org is yeah. a huge benefit. And again, this is not a plug for our, well, it is a plug for our work because we're the best, but, you know, just join an org. Yeah. For, I have to say, for our org size, we come up pretty quickly under most active, one of the more active orgs in game. And I think we're one of the only, uh, we're, we're one of the first ones that are exploration driven. Like first page, pretty close to the top. So that's pretty awesome. Um, my recommendation, uh, on top of what's already been said, because everything you guys said is, is true and awesome, um, is take this as an opportunity to rediscover things that you haven't done in a while. Um, you know, sometimes we forget about how cool the, um, the investigation mission on Kovalex is. Um, still one of the best missions they've created so far in this game. And yet, I haven't done it in probably two years. I you know, am use not it. Carrying boxes in Aurora. Uh, not that. <laughs> Check off. I do that. Um, <laughs> Those missions pay ten grand now. I know, but I can't. <laughs> I can't. I'm allergic to that mission. Yeah, I'm not. I am not the box delivery mission guy. I would. I would rather, in my time, walk around my ship. <laughs> so, so wait, wait, I'm sorry. Let me tell you a story. You know how I used to do them? I would take, you know, I would triple up, right? I would take one box uh -huh. out. I would put it down on the floor, right? Then, like, remember Grimax, then run back. And, and then I would hide it behind the pole, right? And then I'd take another box and then put another box down. You know, I cannot tell you 
what a frustrating experience. When I come back there and all three boxes, I got because somebody played a joke on me. <laughs> 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 That's what I'm saying. It was Sounds funny. like the joke was played by you on you. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, yeah. And then the other thing I would say is, um, you know, it's a good opportunity to rediscover parts of the game and or just find what you like to do in game that you make money doing and do that and and or you know try and find that variety i think that's why we like the org because sometimes sometimes i'll think i want i'm gonna come on and do something um one night and then i end up being like oh yeah i'll join you and do the 890 mission that sounds like a good idea um and it can be fun and lucrative and with a small group you can you can tear through some of those missions relatively fast um, here's hoping that they introduce some more missions, um, even though I haven't read anything that would indicate such, um, with the exception of maybe some changes to some missions. So can I add one more thing? Of course. So if you're starting with a starter ship, um, you know, you can advance. You can advance with your starter ship without getting into a bigger ship. Um, you can run the smaller missions and do some of the bounty hunting things. And you can do a lot of pretty fun missions like the, the Kovalex mission and, and things like that. You can do those and earn a fair amount of money each week and buy certainly enough within a day to buy a heavy armor, a good gun with lots of ammo, uh, make yourself look cool in the game and, you know, maybe a skin for your ship. Right. I mean, that yep. I have a Delta on my, my other account, or a Mustang Alpha, I mean, and uh, I use it a lot. And I have Auroras on my account, which I use quite a bit. Uh, there's just sometimes it's just nice to take out a small ship and do some things. You know. Yeah, and by the way, I was totally kidding about the boxes. What actually, uh, the boxes is, A, in this patch is a good way to make money, and B, it really, because uh, you, you, you get to fly a lot in atmosphere, yeah. you can really learn uh, how to handle different, you know, ships. Well, you know, even if it's one ship, it still gives you a good uh, sort of familiar, get familiar with all the components on it, all the controls. You know, I really, you know, because, I mean, we, in this game, you have a lot of key binds. So you really want to be proficient at that because uh, once you get the larger ships, it gets a little bit more difficult to control. Yeah, yeah great stuff. Um, so that concludes our questions. Um, if you have any content to submit to the show, whether it is... Um, a question, something you did for science. If you want to answer one of our questions, if you want to tell us that we're awful, if you want to tell us that we're great, hopefully it's the latter. Um, feel free by submitting them via email at readcastsc at gmail.com. You could DM our Twitter handle at readcastsc. You could submit a voice message through Anchor. Um, you could participate in our Readcast Discord. Or you can text or leave a voicemail at 646-783-8154. Um, if you are out there, you know, read plug, 
um, looking for an org. READ stands for Research and Engineering through Exploration and Discovery. And um, we are constantly on the lookout for like-minded people who are interested in exploring the verse in a safe, lawful way. Um, not that we don't get into combat sometimes, though. Um, we also have a, a several other content creators within the org. Uh, Earth uh, has video series on YouTube, um, and I'm sure that's going to continue to gear up as we approach 315. Um, or post 315. And then uh, Admiral Cody and Calibri have been writing some really amazing Star Citizen and Reed inspired music, including the music found in this episode. Um, they are, I've, I've heard a preview um, of their theme for Reed, and it is amazing. I think they're just adding some additional flair to it, um, but I'm looking forward to hearing the final product. Maybe. Maybe I'll add it as background music while we talk about Reed. (laughs) Um, And that, my friends, wraps up another episode of Readcast. Thank you, fellow citizens, for listening, and we will see you next week.